hearts to receive from you. And I pray that everything that you want to accomplish will happen and that no one, including me, Abba, will stand in your way. We want everything that your spirit has for us. And so we welcome you, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about rebuilding cities today. So the title of the message is Rebuilding Cities. Rebuilding cities has always been God's plan A. It's not something that God decided he would do after everything that happened happened. Right from eternity, he has always wanted to rebuild cities. Because it says in Revelation chapter 13, 8, it says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth were laid. And so if Jesus Christ was slain before the foundations of the earth were laid, it is also true then that God always wanted cities. Ancient ruins, he always wanted to restore. Devastated former places, he always wanted to raise up. It is his plan A. It's not something he's doing because this thing didn't go as planned, so now I'm going to rebuild. No, it is in the very nature of God, as we said last week. It's in the very nature of God to resurrect. It's in the very nature of God to give life. And therefore, it is plan A for God to rebuild cities. Plan A. And the cool part is that we become part of this plan A. Simple, ordinary people get to be part of this plan A that God has for the earth. So if I follow Jesus, and if you follow Jesus, we have to follow Jesus into the thing he's doing, which is restoring the fortunes of his people. And when we read that verse, that Psalm 126.1, when we read that verse, it almost sounds like God wants to restore his people, as in our fortunes. No, 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 no. He is restoring the fortunes of the world. His people is everyone. His people is us here, meeting here right now, and his people is anyone walking around. And so he wants to restore the fortunes of his people. And then, if I follow Christ, I follow him right into this plan, grand plan that he has, which is, I am about restoring the fortunes of my people. And may we become a people who, as it says in Psalm 126.1, it says, when God changed the fortunes of his people, there was laughter in our mouths. There were songs of joy on our tongues. That's the direction God is leading us. That can we have laughter just from the sheer fact that God is restoring the fortunes of his people. There are songs of joy that's springing up here and there and all across the world. Because God is restoring. God is rebuilding. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And there are a few things that I've written down in no particular order. We'll go through them one by one. I think it's already 12.30. So we'll see where, where, where we get to. <laughs> but it's good. Okay. So the Jews thought, the Israelites thought that the redemption plan that God had was just for them, was just for rebuilding the temple, was just for their kingdom to be prosperous. But we know on this side of the cross that this plan that God has is for the entire earth. So today is, it's more so for our thinking to change, for our thinking to be aligned with the ways of the Spirit, for our thinking to be aligned with how God wants us to think. Because everything we've been talking about, hearing about, will not happen 
unless I shift, we shift our thinking. Because all of a sudden we open our eyes to the reality that I am part of something great. That I am part of something that he is doing across the face of the earth. I wrote it down this way. When God looks at us, he looks at us and sees his plan for the world through us. So when he looks at us, when he looks at Pawan, God looks at Pawan and the perspective that God has is, I am looking at him and in him I see my plan for the world around him. And so if all of us start thinking like this, which is, Whenever God looks at me, whenever God looks at us, there is a deep plan, a great plan, a grand plan that he has for me to be part of his plan. And then I follow him into the places he leads me to. And because this is something he already wants to do, and all I am saying is, yes, I am willing, then he does the rest. So he takes pleasure. He takes pleasure in invading cities. He takes pleasure in invading cities with his goodness, with his mercy, with his joy, with his laughter. He takes pleasure in invading. I want, to, I want us to see our God like that today. He is invading cities. He is invading Vancouver. He is invading different parts of the world. And his plan for different cities are different, but it is all to the same end. It is all to the same goal that he has. But we follow him into that plan. And he restores the land and then brings healing to the land because that's what he does. That's what is in his nature. And cities are rebuilt only through a restored people. Cities are rebuilt only through a restored people. Not a man, not a woman, not two, not three. It is restored through a people. Yes, great things can happen through one person following God. Great things can happen with two or three people following God. But there is a greater plan that God has when His church, the entirety of the community of God, here in Vancouver, here at Acts 29, there at Vernon, we all gather together and we say, this is the plan of God and therefore I'm going to follow him into the very thing he is leading me to. So rebuilding cities is not done by one, pe one person or two people. It is done by a community. And so what God is doing really in our midst over the last few weeks is this. He's saying, shift your thinking because your life is far greater what you thought it is. It is not because of your might or your anything. It is just that your DNA, that which is deposited right inside you, craves for this and it breaks out everything and this reality will come into existence because that is how I made you. The moment that I received Christ, the moment we received Christ, this is what happened. The DNA changed. And this DNA has one thing in it. It craves to see the glory of God on the earth. Not as one person, two people, as a body. That's what he's doing today. That's what he's been leading us. So I want our thinking to change to a point where we are always thinking about what do you have for us as a body? How am I fitting into, fitting into your plan at Acts 29 in Vernon for the regions of earth? Because 
it starts and it always starts with Jerusalem. But it doesn't end there. It goes to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the world. So it starts in Vernon, it starts in Vancouver, but then from there it springs into Ottawa. Then from there it goes to Lagos, Nigeria. From there it goes into Singapore because he doesn't stop. He's just starting. And that's precisely where we are right now because he's saying this is, this is going to go so fast, you better jump in on the train because this train ain't stopping. And it's preparation time and it's already started. And we say, yes, Abba, and we follow him. So he re- restores the fortune of his people. And it, it is not done by one man or one woman. It is done through a people, through his church. I want to read Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, chapter, uh, verse 4. They, as in we, shall build up the ancient ruins. They, as in we, shall raise up the former devastations. We shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I want us to read that again because this is what we've been called to. We shall build up. So think about it. Not I, not the two of us. We shall build up. What? Ancient ruins. We shall raise up the former devastations. We shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. So, because it's in, it's in God's very nature for him to rebuild cities, to rebuild ancient ruins, it will happen. Because all across some of the verses, and we won't read it today, it says it will, it will, they will. His confidence that it will We can't escape the will. It doesn't say it may happen. It says it will happen. Whether through us or through someone else, it will happen. And our prayer is that it happens through us. It will happen. The entire earth, Vancouver will change. Cities will change. It is the truth of God. It cannot be stopped. And now we have a choice, which is to jump right into what he's doing. So we're talking about real things. We're not talking about something that's going to happen 10 years from now. We're we're talking about something that's happening today. We're talking about things that are going to be birthed in our spirits tomorrow, which he has already planted in our hearts, and it's going to happen. So I want us to be aware of that, that this is not for future. This is for now. So what does rebuilding a city really look like then? Rebuilding a city is not just transformation, a spiritual transformation of the city. So think about Vancouver. Let's stick here. When God says, I'm going to rebuild Vancouver through you, he's not just talking about changing the the spiritual nature of the city. He's not just talking about a spiritual transformation that will happen. Because what happened in the past is we were, and when I say we, the church, sometimes give soup to the poor and clothes to the needy, and we think that's very good. And so when we move away from just doing that to this, which is proclaiming the gospel and reaching to people, it is very natural for us to think that just the spiritual transformation of a city is what he is interested in. But no, 
It is a big part of what he is interested in. But with the church, he wants to do more. And we are not going to limit God in what he is doing. So what does that mean? Well, for Vancouver then, through his church, God wants to change the landscape of justice. Through his church, God wants to change the landscape of law and order. Through his church, God wants to birth businesses and, and things, the systems that are set up based on the principles of the word. Through his church, he wants to provide solutions to complex problems. That is rebuilding. So rebuilding, because we started with soup and clothes, we can't just all of a sudden go and say, oh, well, that was all physical. Now we are all about spiritual. And here you go. The spiritual transformation is happening. It is at the very core of everything that he does. But it's not limited to just that. Yeah. It is way more. And we got to tap into this. Rebuilding ancient cities is something he takes <laughs> pleasure in. And we look at it in the way he sees it. We're not going to remove aspects of it and say, this is what I'm interested in. So no, this is everything together, everyone together. We get all of it, all of what he wants to do. So rebuilding is the progression and establishment of the upside down rule of Christ. I love that verse. From, it's from Acts chapter 17, 6. You don't need to read it, but Paul and Silas are in Thessalonica. And when Jason is dragged out and taken to the authorities, this is what they say of Jason. This guy is part of the group of people who, are, who have turned everything upside down. So rebuilding cities, rebuilding cities, rebuilding nations is about the kingdom of God, which is turning everything upside down, invading into a place, into a people. And it happens through us. It's not limited to just the spiritual and just the soup and just the clothes. It changes everything. My goodness, this is the God we serve. So he's not just something or someone who can be limited to just one thing and one box. He is greater. He is good. He is Yahweh. We heard from Eric about God, the God of Ezekiel. The God of Jacob, the God of Abraham is our God. And when he rebuilds something, he does it in style. And he does it well. And he does it not for one year or two years. He does it forever so that his glory will permeate and take a hold of everything there is. That is who he is. That is his truth. And this is not us saying it because we feel like it. This is what is in the word. And because the word is true. And I am, I am wrong and you are wrong. But because the word is true. And if we align ourselves with the word. Everything that we say then is true. And it will come to pass. It is the truth. It is the truth. Because he said so. It is the truth. So, what are some blueprints? How do we rebuild? You rebuild accurately if you carry God's heart for the city. You rebuild accurately if you carry God's heart for the city. And what he wants to do in Vancouver is different from what he wants to do in Kiev, which is different from what he wants to do in Lagos, which is different from what he wants to do 
in Nigeria, which is different from what he wants to do in another place. And if I can grab on onto this truth and his heart, then I can rebuild with him. Accurately catching God's heart. So Joshua was ready to lead because he arrived at a place where he understood God's heart. Because he looked at what was happening and over a period of time, Joshua got it. He understood that this God operates this way with his people. And because he carried his heart, he could lead them. And for us to go into cities and for us to rebuild, what we need to do is get a hold of his heart for that city. Get a hold of what he wants to do in that city. And we do it for his pleasure. We don't do it for anything else. We don't rebuild for the sake of rebuilding. <laughs> this is how it's supposed to work, so this is what I'm doing. We do it for the sake of his pleasure. Because we, we, we get pleasure by him having pleasure in what he accomplishes, in what he does. And something we've talked about already over the last few weeks, God always has specific directives on how he wants to do it. And we can't miss it. This is the God who told the Old Testament people, this is how I want the tabernacle to be built. It had specifications. Do we think that this very God who then rebuilds cities doesn't have directives? He has directives. And we can rebuild without it. But it won't be complete. And it won't be good enough. And people do that. And there is a chance that if we are not careful, we could do the same. So when we rebuild with him, we look for his directives. We look for, what do you want to achieve, Abba? What are you showing us for this city? So even right now, I want us to think along these lines. Because these things have to translate into real physical things that we touch and taste and see here in Vancouver. And whichever city God puts in your heart. And so, what is your heart, Father? What do you want to do? Let's read Ezekiel chapter 22, 30. Ezekiel chapter 22:30 Here is what it says. It says God is looking or I looked for someone among them. God is looking for someone among us who will build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it but I found no one. And may this not be the case, where God looks for people to stand in the gap, like Aaron did, between the dead and the living. God is always looking. And what he's doing with us, he's preparing us to be a people who stands in the gap. Where we are between the dead and the living. Where we are the ones who say, we will stand in the gap for you. We will stand in the gap on behalf of those, those who are dead, 
or are dying so that they can live. And when we talk about carrying the heart of God, it goes into goes from just what do you want from about Vancouver to a place of us really receiving God's heart for the city. That's how Nehemiah wept, because he is in the palace, and he could well say, you know what, I am here for for such a time as this, right in the palace. But he didn't say, I am here for such a time as this. He looked at the state of Jerusalem, and he said nothing. He just wept. And so this, can we see how beautiful this is? Because it goes beyond what we are naturally inclined to do. And it goes into us dying to ourselves and him taking over, which is what he takes pleasure in. And may we become a people like that. I am not. I am not. May we become a people like that who actually get a hold of his heart in that manner for cities, for nations. And it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. And God is looking for a people like that on earth who gets his heart and then schemes with him, plans with him to then build it the way he wants to do it. Number two, when God sends his people into a city or a nation, they are to tear down what needs to be torn down. You cannot build unless you tear down certain things. You cannot build because what you are after is cities and people, and they will be contested for. And so when we go in, when we look at a city, when we rebuild a city, we have to on one hand, like those in the book of Nehemiah. On one hand, we have bricks on, with which we build. And on the other hand, we have weapons that God has put in our hands. And so we build and we destroy. We destroy that which needs to be destroyed as the Spirit of God leads us. And then on the, same, on the other hand, we build. We build everything He wants to build. So we need to have that mindset too in that this is not about not just about building whatever he wants to build because there is no true building of what he wants to do unless you are also involved with him in destroying that which needs to be destroyed in tearing down that which needs to be torn down a couple of references jeremiah 110 jeremiah 110 I have, set, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. You see where the building and the planting comes? I have set you this day, Acts 29, over nations and over kingdoms. For what about? For rebuilding cities? Yes. But how do we do it? We do it by plucking up and breaking down. By destroying and overthrowing, and then building and planting. So that's how he trains us. Because in all of these things, he's training our hands for war, which is again in the DNA of every believer. We have gone far too, this is something that Jacob has always talked about. And one of the things, and I'm not saying it for the sake of saying it, because I don't need to, but one of the things about Acts 29 is that. Jacob demands a lot 
of us. And it's really God's nature. It's not something that's just how our pastor is. It is how God is. This is who God is. It's, what are we reading? How can we do this without Him? It's not natural when we, get, when we are born, we don't get into these things. It is Him. It is His way of doing it. He demands a lot. Christ demands a lot. And now it can be our pleasure to say yes to everything that he is demanding of us. I want to go through this real quick, so we'll, we'll go through this one by one. Next one is, cities are rebuilt through ordinary people. We talked about restored people, we talked about church, but we need to think of it as cities are built through ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. That's how he builds cities. And within the community that builds, there'll be different roles for different people, but they're all ordinary. And I like talking about it because we need to think like that, where there is no division between where we are at and where we think someone should be for them to partake in what God is doing. Tear it down. Because if you follow Christ and if you have the Spirit of God living inside you, it is natural for us to participate in these things. Next. Obedience, and this is important. Obedience is more important than perceived results. Obedience is far more important than perceived results. We cannot measure the effectiveness of what we are doing by just looking at the perceived results. Why do I say that? Well, this is what happened across centuries with people who believed in him. Sometimes when they started, they didn't see much. But when they kept at it, kept at it, kept at it, kept at it, they saw what God promised. But the problem is when we now read it, we don't see it like that. Because the moment you start reading about Moses, you're like, oh, wow. The moment you start reading about Joseph, it's like, great. But for those guys, when they lived it, they lived it pretty differently. It's just like Ezekiel. You, know, you kind of look at Ezekiel's side of the story. It's kind of different from how you read it. And this is important, guys, I'm telling you, for us as we go out, obedience to the voice of Christ, obedience to the Spirit of God is far more important than perceived results. Pers results will come, but this is far, obedience is far more important than perceived results. Please read Galatians, you, you know what, don't read it, I'll read it out loud, you can write it down if you want to. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, this is what it says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. It doesn't stop there. If we do not give up. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. It doesn't stop there. If we do not give up. Next one. Do not forget the significance of one's soul. Because the moment we start talking about nations and cities and his kingdom and his rule advancing, it is so easy to lose track of what he considers important, which is one soul. Jesus died for all, 
But Jesus would also die if the rest of humanity neglected him and just one person said yes. He will still die. So we cannot ignore because when the plan gets bigger and, and, and what he is giving us gets bigger, we can't ignore, forget the reality, the, the significance of just one person. Jesus demonstrated this. His great mission and then what, did, what does he do? He leaves the disciples to wherever go get some food because I've got a mission right here to meet with a woman who is by the well, who, who is going to come and she's going to come to draw water. And with, th- with just this one lady, just this one woman, I'm going to give her what I have because through her, an entire village is going to come to know about me. Do not forget the significance of one soul. Just, just the way he builds, just the way he does. And rebuilding requires the compassion of Jesus Christ. We've got to be moved with compassion. And that's a work that he does in our hearts. Because some of us may say, oh, I'm discompassionate, I'm a little more compassionate, maybe I'm less compassionate. But the truth is, he changes our hearts when we say, come change our hearts. And he makes it flesh. Number seven. I want us to give ourselves a new name. And this new name is Serial Sower. Sowing seeds, cereal. Serial entrepreneurs, let's be serial sowers. People who sow seeds. Prashant and Pawan are looking at each other because we talked about this yesterday. See, people who, because God, again, when we read Matthew chapter 13, it's so easy for us again to read through that whole parable about seed and sower and land and then the, and the, and the soil and different types of soil and all of that. And most often when we look at it, what we think about and what, how we understand it is like this. It is when God says something, if we have a good heart that is receptive, then everything that he sows will come and bear fruit. But that whole chapter is about the kingdom of God. And it's not just about God sowing seeds. What you also see is a guy who is going around sowing seeds wherever God says. He doesn't say, I'm not going to sow seeds here on this rock, rock and, and, and on this hard ground because yeah, that's like, no. He sows there. And then he goes and he sees a fertile land, he sows there. He sows everywhere God directs him to sow. That is the kingdom. Because sometimes we make these stories about when I listen to God, I, I want to be like this. No, man, it's far more greater than that. It's about us being serial sowers. We have seed in our hands all the time. And we sow seed wherever, whenever he asks us to. When we wake up, think of us like that. When you wake up, think of yourself like, I've got seed in my hands that God has given me, which brings life. And wherever I go today, I'm going to deposit, I'm going to sow this seed. Next. Expect creative solutions to complex problems. When we walk walk with God, expect creative solutions to complex problems. Where does this come from? We won't read it, but 2 Kings chapter 2, 19 to 21. A bunch of guys comes to, come to uh, Elijah, Elisha, I think, and they come and say, you know what? 
this land is kind of good, but the water is bad and no fruits grow here. That's the problem of Jericho, I think. Here's, here's the problem of Jericho. It's kind of good, but there's one huge problem here. And the huge problem that we have here is the water is pretty bad. And along with that, we have fruits that won't bear, or trees that won't bear fruits. And Elisha's response is, come with a bowl. Put salt in it. And I'm going to take the salt, and I'm going to put this into the stream, and that will heal the land. So solutions that God has for very complex problems are not the ways of the world. And we have to open our minds because our God is a creative God. He works in ways we don't think. That is the real meaning of your ways are higher. Where everything around us tells us this is exactly how it happens. Every city, every nation, every time it happened, it happened like this. Steps, five steps to making it right. A, B, C, D, E. And then God says one word. And that one word is enough to do everything and more. Because that's who he is. Next one. Become conduits of justice. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago where we said, we have to be known, Acts 29, we have to be known for what we stand for. The church of Jesus Christ has to be known for what they stand for. conduits of justice because oftentimes we are known for what we don't like mark is mark is kind of a weird guy because whenever he comes into work he kind of doesn't participate in this and that is kind of weird it's kind of difficult to talk with him Derek is like that he kind of steps away from all of these things i don't really know why he does that that's how people most people (laughs) tell about us but how they should talk about us is He doesn't participate in that, but he stands up for this. It's a big difference. It is a big difference for the church of Jesus Christ to be known for what they stand for, rather than just what they do not align with. And in all of this, Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the The Lord guards the city. The watchman keeps awake in vain. And so, Father, with everything that we are talking about, everything that we want to do, we recognize that if we go down this path with our human strength and our human thinking, we will not do what you actually want us to do. And so even right now as we hear your word, which says, unless God builds they labor in vain. We don't want to be people who labor in vain because we are not building as you want us to build or because you are not with us. God is with us all the time. But we have to build it as per he wants us to build. Then what we build will not be in vain. And when he guards the city, the watchman keeps awake When he doesn't guard the city, they keep awake in vain. Let's read. uh, I want to read a verse, but read it in the message version, just for our minds to hear it like that. I'll just read it out loud. Isaiah chapter 58, the 9 to 12, but we'll skip over the first few verses here. 
and I, I, you can just listen to me. The last couple of verses is like this. I will always show you where you go or where to go. I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You will be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations out of your past. Here is, listen to this, guys. Can we aspire for this? You will be known, Acts 29, as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. And here's the best part. And make communities livable again. So beautifully written. Let's think together. You will be known, Acts 29, as people who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. And make communities livable again. So I want to go back to something I said earlier. The time to rebuild is now. It's not a few days out, a few months out. It's right now. This is the time to rebuild. This is the time to jump in on this train that he is. He's headed in a direction. And he ain't stop. When Jacob talked about the revival, I remember him saying something along, something like this. I'm not sure exactly the words he used, but he said something like, at certain points in history, God does certain things. And it's not like anyone can stop God other times, but when he, when he is so specifically wanting to achieve something, no one can stop him. It's, it's almost like the flood is coming. You can't stop. You can stand in the way. You can try to do, make a crack here. No, it's, the flood is coming and the, and the flood comes, everything is washed away. That's kind of the image that we need to have in our, in our minds. I need to, we'll wrap up because it's one. But I want us to make this now for our cities. So for Vancouver, let's think. For the cities that God has put in your hearts, where you know that he has always given you dreams for certain nations. Because nations are impacted through cities. Nations are impacted through cities. Canada is impacted through a Vernon and a Vancouver and a Montreal and an Ottawa. That's how Canada is affected. Nations are impacted and transformed through cities. That's why we're talking about rebuilding cities. But the idea is not to just rebuild cities. The idea is to rebuild nations. And the idea is to fill the earth with the glory of God. So here is what Nehemiah did in the Old Testament. He did this. When he found out that the, the walls of Jerusalem was broken down, what he did is he went around examining the walls. He wasn't really, I'm coming, into, um, coming back to Jerusalem from the um, palace because I feel God say, let's go. There is a rebuild happening. Let's participate in that. Everything all get done? Okay. <laughs> that there is a uh, build, rebuilding happening. That's so I'm, I'm out here. I'm doing it. No. He comes out to Jerusalem with this focus, with this thing of I'm going to examine what's happening. 
I'm going to see what God is showing. And then I'm going to build how he wants me to build. So for us in Vancouver, we cannot rebuild Vancouver unless we carry God's heart and we examine what is actually happening. It's not happening. Otherwise, all of this becomes words and it stops there. We've got to examine what is happening in our cities. That's how it starts. So do this for yourselves. What are the things that God is putting in your heart for the cities that we come from, for where we live? What are the things that are peculiar, that are so innate in the way you are, that God puts in your heart? And how can you gather people around you? And then you go about doing what he asked you to do. That's how it works. So within Acts 29, what I believe is that our house churches and our hubs and our different groups, they're all going to go out and explore the way God wants us to explore in a nice way. That's how it works. Not one person, not two people, but all of these communities. That's the reason why we are put together. Because the house church that meets in this place, all of a sudden, they are attentive to the Spirit of God and how God wants to operate. And all of a sudden, God says, for Vancouver, here is my agenda through you. And then we work together as a family, as a community of believers. And we go in the direction that God has set for us. And we'll see things that he wants to accomplish. So that's how we put this into practice. Vancouver examining. I, I read something. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, this, this. I know we know this, but it's good to put it in these words about Vancouver as an example. We talk about empty homes, but there are more empty stomachs in Vancouver than empty homes. But we hear and read more about empty homes. Is that right or wrong? 100% right. You read about Vancouver in the light of housing prices are inflating, it's difficult to buy a house, and uh, empty homes, foreign buyers, that's, that's the media. But there are more empty stomachs in Vancouver than empty homes. Examining the walls of the city. Examining what is happening in the city. And communities within taking on things that God is giving to go out and transform not just, not, not rebuild, but rebuild the way he wants to rebuild. And these are not events, they are spirit-directed lifestyles that we take on. I want to stop with last two verses, because in all of this, because God is intentional, and because God is who God is, I want you to listen to this. Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail or overcome. So when God gives us assignments to, to do and when God leads us a certain path, he says, I will build it and the gates of hell will not prevail or overcome. Genesis chapter twenty-two seventeen, I will bless you and your children will possess the gates of the enemy. This is the God we serve. He doesn't just send us and say, go do it. He comes with us, and his promises will keep us, and his nature is with us. His word will sustain us. And it all comes together when we say, yes, Abba, we'll go, not alone, but together. 
I'll stop there. See, five minutes only. One of five. So, um, Diana, do you want to come up and pray? When Diana comes up to pray, please don't think that this is done. When she comes up to pray, listen to what she's praying. First hear it, and then there is going to be slides up here for us to pray together. It's a crafted prayer that she has written down. I think, yeah, I'll let Diana speak to it, but please be attentive. Please pray together. Hello. Derek asked me to craft a prayer for the cities, and that's all he said. And my response, because it came on Friday night, was, I don't know if I'll have time. Can I let you know in the morning? Like it was, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Because um, my weekend has been really busy. Um, but in the morning, I was woken up, and God gave me something to, he wanted us to pray. Um, so this is kind of like asking for God's directives. Like this, this is not something I came up with. This is what God wanted for us. So um, I sent what I had had come, what God had shown me and had written down to Derek, and he he advised me on a change I should make, and I did, and I agreed with it. And then, um, in order to keep it more interesting for you, we decided we would involve you in a prayer as well. So part of this will be you listening to me speak. Part of it will be the mic being passed around so you can actually read what's up here. And there, there are several different sections of the prayer because we're, we're talking to, to specific groups of people. And it's a prayer, but it's also talking to the people, calling the people in for Christ. So here goes. God, thank you for your presence in our lives and for your great love for us. What you have given us is beyond our comprehension and certainly nothing we have earned. And we long for others to be connected with you too. So Father, thank you for sharing your heart for the city with us, for continuing to deepen our understanding of your love for the lost, which each of us was until we heard your heart's cry of love and your come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we responded by choosing to surrender our disbelief and our baggage of sin, guilt, rebellion, hurt, despair, self-determination, and everything else that was keeping us from you, and found ourselves in life-giving relationships with you, our rock and redeemer. And we acknowledge that there is nothing we did to earn any of this except listen, believe, and then surrender and admit that we need you. So, Father, we pray specifically for our city, the one we live in, whether that be one in our local greater Vancouver area or one in other parts of the world that listeners are in. We begin like David did in Psalm 103, reminding ourselves of who you are, God. You forgive sins instead of treating us as our sins deserve, and you separate us from all our sins. 
You heal our diseases. You redeem us from hell. You crown us with love and mercy. You renew our lives. You put victims back on their feet. You show us your plans. You are slow to anger and rich in love. You don't nag and hold grudges. You are like a parent and are for those who fear you. You know us inside and out. We come and go, but your love is forever, and you make things right. God, you are our king, and we bless you. Thank you, Lord, for your great love and mercy. Thank you for including us in your plans of rescue and redemption and life, and for your spirit who indwells us with the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead. And knowing these things, we pray for the cities that we call home and for the people in the lives, sorry, the people in the cities. God, I thank you for the people you have your eyes on and are chasing after, for those who are actively seeking you and for those who are actively hiding from you, for those who are currently disinterested and unaware, and for those who are actively doing battle against you and your kingdom. God, we acknowledge that there is not one of these individuals that you have not already paid the price for, even the vilest offenders. And we ask, Lord, that you soften their hearts and prepare them to hear and accept the news that you love them and the invitation that you offer to them to become your children. And if you can put the things on here. The mic is going to be passed around. I'm just going to randomly pass it to somebody. Um, how many of you love to read? A few of you love to read. Okay, you guys are going to be doing, pa be reading. So Karen, I'm going to pass the mic to you first, and then you can hand it to whoever you want to from there for the next one. So each one of these, where it says we call out to those who, we speak to those who, that's the start of a new section. We call out to those who need rescuing from anyone or from anything, be it from physical danger or abuse to mental turmoil, fear, addictions, or simply from lives of mediocrity or unending sameness and responsibility or any other bondage. Know that rescue has come. Jesus the Christ has paid the price for your freedom and redemption. Come out. We call you into his presence and freedom. We speak to those who believe lies about God. Either that he doesn't exist, he does, that the Bible is not trustworthy, it is, or that you don't need him, you do. We speak open ears, eyes, and spirits so that you can see new truths and new realities, including the realities that God does exist and that you are lost without Christ, and he loves you. <clears throat> we speak to those who don't recognize a need for God, and we call you to a discontent with your plenty and to an awareness of your lack, and we break any mindset that promises that the answer to your discontent is more stuff, more activity, and more anything that is not God. Amen. We call you into a hunger for God, and we speak to your heart and mind and spirit. Be drawn to the things of God. 
We speak to those who know God, but are floundering, and remind you that God is alive and is active. We speak to your heart, spirit, and eyes, and say, be open in the name of Jesus. Start walking. We speak to all those in the city who have not yet heard and responded, as well as to those who need a reminder. Jesus loves you. He wants a personal relationship with you. Talk to him. And Father, I ask that you would direct us to be the ones, to be these ones so that they can never say no, that no one told them the good news. We speak to each other, to us that already know you and want more of you. Step up. Trust that the Holy Spirit living in you is indeed the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. That same resurrection spirit is still and always will able to bring life from the dead things and is fully able to use your words and my words, our words, to bring about great changes for the kingdom. Speak with your mouth. Believe in your heart, and others will, be, will believe and be delivered from death to life. And together, from our position of being seated at the right hand of God, with Christ the risen Lord, even as we walk on the streets of our city, and knowing that the Holy Spirit who brought everything out of nothing and raised Christ from the dead indwells us and empowers us to do greater things. We speak to the enemy and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. This city belongs to him. He will reign and we, his church, will prevail. The church is God's and is built on the rock. The gates of hell shall not prevail this promise is sure. God does not lie. So Almighty God, our Father, we ask that you would empower us to do both the easy things and the impossible ones, and use us to reach those you are calling in the cities we are in. And we ask that those you call would respond, that none would be left behind, and that you would equip and prepare us for the harvest so that it would be gathered in with no one overlooked or lost. And we thank you for each one. Amen. And that is God's heart for every city, every individual in every city.